Hold on. Don't, don't, my cat is getting up on my... Get down. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a special episode of Battery Mates. I am Matthew in London. I'm joined by Toby in Chicago. 10% of the season has gone by and we are not having a great time either as are we. <laughs> Toby, how are you? I just enjoyed you um, scaring your cat away from the microphone with a harmonica. Yes, uh, <laughs> Friends of Battery Mates can't see that. It was a good one. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's, you know... Um... You know what? What can you say? I, uh, I am. I. I feel like my hands will permanently smell like um, butt paste, uh, which for pa- people who aren't parents out there um, is something you use on your infant children um, when they have. Sorry, what did you call it? Butt paste. Diaper diaper rash cream. It's literally called butt paste, so it's it's called Boudreaux's butt paste, and that, and that is not our sponsor today. So I, you know, I shouldn't shouldn't even mention them, but um, you know. I, I just feel like I can't smell anything else anymore. Um, it's a, it's it's not it's not COVID. I've I've ruled that out. Um, I was I was forty one years old when I first heard the <laughs> phrase butt paste used about silicrem. <laughs> um, okay, great. Well, in, in, in exciting in exciting UK news, I voted today in the London mayoral elections. Oh, we hell. have a, 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 a mayor coming up in the UK, Sadiq Khan has got my vote he's a good dude amazing um so that, that was fun is that so, an official battery mates endorsement i mean i'm fine with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah um do vote for Sadiq khan in london do not vote for andrew yang in london in new york uh <laughs> that, those are the battery mates endorsements for this cycle <laughs> um yeah. but anyway baseball um we're going to talk about baseball a little bit today but we're also going to talk a lot about soccer yeah, we have had a very soccer heavy week here in the UK. I think it's been a pretty global phenomenon. We actually had um, quite an excitement, an exciting development where we um, were close to securing um, commentary uh, through the prism of a guest on tonight's episode with a spokesperson for the Biden administration. We were <laughs> we were in actual negotiations, and by negotiations, I mean I was WhatsApping. Uh, uh, him and saying, yeah, get them, get the press office to let you. And he said he would try. And he texted back and he said they wouldn't let him. That's they, surprising. They refused. I think the the problem is our problem is that um, this this Biden White House is just is just running scared yeah. of, of the tough questions that we would ask about the European Super League and the Biden administration's position on it. And so we are guestless tonight. Yeah, I mean, some would say soccer is our guest. Although I like to call it football. I don't know, Matthew, you refer to it as soccer. But um, yeah, no, I think, yeah, you know, the Biden administration, you know, they can hide in their basement as much as they want. But, um, you know, we're going to we're going to move on. We're going to plow through with the facts. We have a counter up now a number of days since the Biden administration um, addressed this controversy. Um, (laughs) On on a Battery Meets episode, to be clear. On a Battery Meets episode. (laughs) They probably have addressed it at some point, just not on the battery mates. That's and a good point. If you're not point. talking to battery mates nation, who are you talking to? 
Well, I literally don't even know. That's the, <laughs> the reality is, I, if you're not talking to me directly, I probably haven't heard you. Yeah, um, uh, that's and that is how we're moving. Uh, you know, and I, uh, those of you who might know, I, I, I do traffic a little bit in digital marketing, and so I'm. You know, I can tell you that personal individual outreach is the new uh, black. Um, it is very much. It's the new um, non-individual personal outreach. Um, that's where we're going. And uh, it starts right here uh, on Battery Mates. <laughs> so we are, we are going to talk about uh, baseball, um, not with the Biden administration or anyone else, just with each other and both of our listeners. But before, <laughs> before we get that, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, that's right. <laughs> Uh, it's our. It's time for our new uh, segment, and I expect this to be a regular one. I'm surprised we haven't gotten to it before. It's called "What the Hell is Happening Over There," and featuring our chief over there correspondent, Matthew McGregor. Uh, welcome to the program, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, Toby. Um, Matthew would be here to welcome you as well, but that would be um, that would provide some matter, more editing skills than I have. Uh, so, I think we're going to treat this like a guest situation because. Honestly, um, I've read a lot more about um, soccer or football um, than, than in the last week than I have in the last year, probably. And uh, and I'm currently, you know, Battery Mates Nation, this is a podcast. You can't see that I'm wearing a uh, Norwich, like, Canaries kit. As the, as I'm, I'm using the terminology right there, right? It's a kit? This is a kit? Um, it's a shirt, but... Shit. Um, the shirt makes up part of the kit, so you're not completely wrong. And I think that's good enough for an American. Okay. Well, I feel I feel like I'm trying hard, um, which is, you know, what we're, we're known for. It's um, a jersey. You're wearing a jersey. It's oh, okay. shit. I, that's so much I speak, easier. I speak, I speak the lingo. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, now that I've already embarrassed myself, um, I, I'm here. I'm going to act like uh, the dumb American that I am and, and, and try to, like, get out of you. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Um, and when we wrote this segment, when we came up with this, uh, this seemed like a lot more, um, like more of a, a controversy. I mean, it's still a controversy, but it seemed like a lot more of a pressing issue um, than it is today. Now it's a, it seems more of a, um, a what the hell happened over there um, segment. But start by explaining um, what is this sport you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So this is um, this is association football, and here's a fun thing for. Um, uh, listeners who, who don't know this, Americans often get a lot of shit for using the word soccer to talk about uh, football. But uh, soccer is actually an English word. Uh, soccer was invented in, in England um, as a, an abbreviation of association. So we have association football and we have uh, rugby football. And uh, to differentiate the two, people called it uh, soccer, the shortening of association. So it's not an American an Americanism is actually a Britishism. How do you, and, you, uh, you, you pronounce just get shit for that. Did people use pronounce association, association, or what was the, how did that happen? Just like the way it looked? No, it's a, it's a very, very posh people in England um, huh. will abbreviate words and add uh or, or why at the end. So um, association just became soccer. They call rugby rugger. Oh, wow. Um, and and so on. So it's just a it's just an extremely posh thing in England. You know, like the the upper classes in this country are, are different to the rest of us, shall we say? <laughs> leave it. Leave Don't it know what that. that's like. Um, 
Yeah, well, David Cameron was accused of fucking a pig in the face, so you know they they just do things differently. I don't. I'm not saying he did. He was just accused of it. Uh, the pig was dead, just to be clear. Um, uh, I, as I said, it was alleged. Uh, no one um, can prove that he did or didn't do it. Um, so yeah, but this is has been it has been absolutely huge. This is probably the biggest explosion that has happened in 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 football in this country in in 30 years or so and i'll I'm, you know i'll come on to you know i'll, I'll, I'll come on to talk about the, the sort of why this is so huge but i think we'd have to start from from very first principles about the way football is organized football originated in this country as clubs of you know, men it was men um mainly um uh, many of whom formed their clubs through their workplace yeah. um, or through a church group or through some other community group. And they were all amateurs. The game was entirely amateur for a, a really very long time. And um, football clubs in this country, this isn't um, a nostalgic thing. This isn't a kind of harking back, um, trying to be romantic there is lots and lots of academic and sociological and other research that shows that football clubs are um, one of the most important cultural institutions in a locality. Um, a, a, a football club is a definition of place. And um, uh, that comes from its history and it comes from the um, associations that fans have with, with one another. And because football clubs originated in that way it differs in different european countries because of you know history and politics and and law but in most european countries the history of these clubs means that they have something far and beyond um a, a legal status clubs in europe football clubs are not franchises hmm. they, are, they are not franchises they are they are um legally and um, uh, culturally um, and socially just completely different to franchises. The idea that a club could um, or, or a team could move geography is more of an anathema to people <laughs> in European countries than you can possibly imagine. And it is literally inexplicable to um, Europeans to say that, you know, the Cleveland Browns moved. Right. I, you, you would have to spend as long as I'm taking now to talk about the history of European football, to explain that to European, that it would it is literally incomprehensible. It happened once in England um, uh, about 15 years or so ago, and there was literally violence. There was political violence, and um, uh, I was actually, the, the club in question was boycotted by its fans. I was dating a woman who was a fan of, that club and i went to the game as a norwich fan when we played them and um it was the beginning of the end of our relationship oh, it probably would have it might have gone south anyway and you know i'm glad it did i'm very happily married now and everything <laughs> else but you know it, it was it, it is really really serious it just couldn't it just it just it just can't happen they changed the law uh, to stop it from happening ever again wow. football is um about culture and um place and it is also about competition. So this is the thing. We've talked about this before. My big idea about baseball is to have promotion and relegation. And it's kind of, you know, <laughs> isn't the funny, the funny English guy being funny about promotion and relegation. <laughs> competition is absolutely central to um, 
uh, football sense of itself. So if you finish in the uh, bottom three of the EPL, you are relegated to the tier below and you play in that tier for at least one season, maybe much longer. Uh, there are um, four top tiers in England uh, and below that are 15, 16 other tiers. Um, you know, Teams can go up and down those a long, long way. Uh, Norwich were in League One, which is the third tier, um, just over 10 years ago. Mm. And we've been promoted to the EPL four times in the last 10 years, relegated uh, three three times. Um, we're, a call, we're called a yo-yo club because yeah. we go up and down a lot. Um, but the idea that any team, if they get things right and everything goes well for them, can do well and, and go all the way is completely central to everything there is about football. Um, I want to talk just a second about um, like how football changed 20 years or so ago, uh, 30 years really. Uh, in the early 1990s, uh, a group of 20 teams broke away from the Football League and formed the Premier League. So all this stuff about, you know, in Premier League history, teams have only done X, Y and Z. Well, the Premier League's only been going 30 <laughs> years. Football's been going 180 or something like that. So it's it's all a bit of bollocks. But the EPL was the beginning of money in the game and the, the idea that football could be run in order for businesses to make significant profits. Like football's always has always been in the past something that I like some local businessmen or some local um, worthies get together and they put their money in and they don't want to lose money, but they're not there to make significant amounts of money. You know, it's not, wasn't, wasn't really necessarily a thing. Some of the big clubs maybe, but it wasn't a really big thing. The launch of the premier league and Manchester United in particular going on the stock exchange was the beginning of clubs being there. Yeah, Manchester United are listed on the stock exchange in 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 London and New York. Oh, and this idea that that, that that football clubs could be there in order to make money, to make profits, and that that system has just got worse and worse and worse over the course of the last twenty thirty years. Um, particular, you know, egregious moments: um, the Glazers, the Glazer family from Florida buying Manchester United. Um, they bought Manchester United almost entirely with debt. They they Jesus leveraged fuck. Manchester United. Um, they borrowed uh, uh, hundreds of million do- hundreds of million dollars against the assets of Manchester United in order to buy Manchester United. And in the in the in the years since then, Manchester United have paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to the Glazers to pay off the debt that the Glazers took on to buy Manchester United in the first place. So all this money they're making and they're making more and more and more money through TV deals and T-shirt sales around the world, jersey sales, is to pay off debt or to make profits. And so you've got John Henry from from uh, Boston, Fenway Sports Group. Yep. Stan Kroenke owns um, Arsenal. And there's this been this emergence of the top six. They call themselves the, the big six. Everyone else calls them the greedy six. And they have been trying to make more and more money um from football um can we just list the greedy six again i just say that out loud again sure manchester united yeah manchester city Mm -hmm. liverpool arsenal chelsea and tottenham hotspurs oh okay and and those 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 one i didn't know okay 
those they 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 put themselves in this greedy six and they're really trying to uh, make themselves big but they they haven't really got that on on merit it would be a little bit like the new york mets tagging themselves into the greats of the game just because they happen to be in new york they haven't <laughs> really they haven't really earned it um they haven't really won anything for a long time but they just kind of stuck themselves in there um um trying to trying to tag along uh, slightly embarrassing themselves and everyone else but the 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 thing about the the thing about the the greedy six is they they are leveraged and they are bought in by uh, uh billionaires um most of several of whom are american um but a couple of them are are billionaires who aren't in it for greed they're in it for um uh, vanity so the uh, sheikh mansur from um abu dhabi and um uh, roman abramovich from from russia these sort of plutocrats um who want they've got loads and loads and loads of spare cash and they want to spend it on being cool like they want to yeah. they want the kudos that's they, what i would do yeah. they want to look good yeah i mean we're we're not there yet but um i think another couple of seasons of battery mate sponsorship money and we'll be able to buy one of these clubs ourselves and we wouldn't sure. do it for profit we would do it to look cool and exactly yes and we but would there was there was a, there's been a problem over the last um over the last short uh, period of time which is that other clubs keep doing well <laughs> so so uh, a couple of years ago, um, Leicester City, right. a, a team that was actually bought by um, a, a multi-millionaire. I'm not sure if he's a billionaire, but someone with an extraordinary amount of money he used to go go to and from games in his helicopter. Um, I'm, you know, actually, unfortunately, died in a helicopter crash um, Jesus. at the ground. So I didn't mean that flippantly. Um, but you know, extremely rich, an extremely rich guy. Sorry, I really, I really <laughs> didn't mean that flippantly. <laughs> Took a turn. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> You know, he was still a, a multi-millionaire, or maybe a billionaire. Um, but still, Leicester City came from nowhere to win the league, and they got into the Champions League. And the Champions League is where there's money. This and is the, the all-Europe, across-Europe. Yeah. yeah. So uh, teams from across Europe. When I was young, the champion of each European country got into the European Cup. Mm-hmm. You had to, to get into the European Cup, you had to win your country's league. And they expanded it to to bring in several teams, and they've expanded it more and more. And there are four four teams from England going to the Champions League. Leicester City took one of the spots, and that cost I can't remember who they who they beat out that year, but it cost one of the teams a lot of money because if you don't get into the Champions League, you don't get the TV money. And ever since then, the greedy six have been trying to work out how can we avoid ever not qualifying for the Champions League. Because yep. if you're not in the Champions League, you don't get the TV money, and that really is the the bottom line with the Super League. This, the European Super League launched on Sunday as a group of 15 teams who would invite five other teams to join them in this closed competition, where these 15 founding clubs, including the Greedy Six, were automatically in the competition every single year, regardless of what happened in the domestic championship. So you could. Uh, have Arsenal? I mean, Arsenal like ninth or tenth. I mean, they've they've had a, a an absolute shambles of a season. They're embarrassing themselves. Everyone is kind of like shuffling around them, trying not to look directly at them because they're <laughs> just completely humiliating themselves. And 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 they they say, well, you know, yes, we're bad and we haven't earned our way, but we're going to just automatically get 
into the European Super League, it'd regardless. Be like, it'd be like, so the Yankees are 6-11 and 11 right now, and granted, they're playing the Clevelands this weekend, four games, they'll probably be 500 by the, you know, the time most people listen to this, but it's, it'd be like if the Yankees were 6-11 and 11 right now, but they were guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. Didn't matter yeah. what happened here with, the, with yeah. the last 150 games. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and, and, and not even based on... Um, you know, the fact that they made it to, you know, say you get a, a buy into the playoffs by being the previous season's uh, league champions. So the AL champions and the NL champions go auto- get automatic spots the next year. It wouldn't even be like that. It would just literally be the New York Yankees have a shit ton of money and they're going to say, unless you give us an automatic spot in the playoffs, we're going to leave this league and set up our own. And that will cost all of these other clubs a shit ton of money because the Yankees are the biggest team in the world, biggest baseball team in the world, the biggest brand. And if you don't give us what we want by, by breaking the, the, the sort of the covenant of competition, uh, we're going to cost you all a huge amount of money. Right. That's and what the European super league was trying to do. Would it, would it have been necessitated the end of the champions league then? Is that essentially what they were proposing or? I mean, essentially, essentially, they wanted to replace the Champions League. They're, they're, they've been trying to bully UEFA, who runs the Champions League. They've been trying to bully them uh, for years. And in fact, I mean, I'll come on to this at the end, because this, this is a story that has a lot of upsides and potential good things in the future. But it's also it's also got a, a bit of a sad ending at the moment. Um, they've been trying to bully UEFA into giving them more and more favorable um uh, uh, conditions for the Champions League. So they want to expand the Champions League so there are more teams in it, more games, because more games equals more TV money. Um, that It's easier for the Greedy Six and other clubs like them in, in Italy and Spain, like Barcelona and Real Madrid and, and Inter Milan, AC Milan. Easier for them to get into the Champions League and easier for them to go further into the Champions League. And, and so they, they've been trying to bully UEFA for that. So this would have been a replacement for the Champions League. But um, it, it, it collapsed. I mean, we're talking about something that was launched on Sunday, and I'm already <laughs> talking about this as a as a as a you know a past tense thing. It was past tense uh, more than 24 hours ago, like 48 yeah, hours ago. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't even an emergency pod. Um, it, it collapsed because um, for for two big reasons. The first one is that fans um, have been fans who don't like this which is basically, I mean, there's been polling, we're talking about 85, 90% of fans um, don't want this to happen and feel very, very strongly about it not happening, but also feel, already felt very strongly that the status quo had got really, really bad. But there was nothing around which to kind of focus your yeah. ire. So everyone <laughs> was already, everyone was already really, really pissed off <laughs> about football very very angry and the super league was not just the the sort of the match that got uh thrown onto the gasoline it was kind of a flamethrower on the <laughs> gasoline um and and fans just went off the deep end the polling uh, politicians were hearing from fans there were protests even with all the covid regulations there were you know thousands of angry chelsea fans outside chelsea's ground and you know <laughs> even Roman Abramovich doesn't really want to deal with angry Chelsea fans. Uh, and the second reason was that um, the Premier League, um, even without the Greedy Six, is still a, a, a big entity, a big, powerful entity. And they had politicians on their side, you know, politicians, that mixture of fans and um, 
uh, some of the money meant that politicians just said, well, no, we're not going to do this. I mean, there was some incredible threats being made against what are essentially private businesses. But, you know, business government was saying, if you are not um, a, in a verified league, if you're not uh, accredited by the Football Association, um, i.e. if you're in the European Super League and not in the FA Premier League, we will scrap all of your work permits. So anyone who is not a UK national will not legally be allowed to work in the UK. Oh so you think of you think of Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester yeah. City, sure. all of the players that are not UK nationals, just literally overnight not being allowed to play. Wow. I mean, things like that were really pretty serious. I mean, they were even saying, um, you know, we'll we're gonna look into if you're not if you're organizing a football match and you're not in an accredited league, we won't um, allow the police uh, to to be there. You know, these the football matches are very heavily policed. Yeah, you know, of course. Right. Serious situation. <laughs> we won't allow the police to be there. I mean, this is just that like a little bit is, much, but OK. <laughs> games are just not happening in those yeah. circumstances. And, you know, it, you know, it didn't take a ton. You know, Roman Abramovich and, um, and, and Manchester City, Sheikh Mansur, were just like, yeah, fuck this. We are we are not here. Well, yeah, obviously, we want more money. We're greedy billionaires. We'd love more money, but we're not here for, mainly for the money. So they pulled out, and everyone else pulled out, and it, and it all and it all collapsed. The, um, the the sort of the and that's fantastic. And there is now a lot more pressure for real reforms in the way that football is is set up. There is a, a new government review uh, run by a really respected conservative, but um, you know actually respected on all sides former sports minister called tracy crouch is reviewing um how football is run uh, how much it costs how it's organized um and and one of the things that you know could come out of that is changing the ownership structure so that fans have like an actual vote over um things in 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 germany um fans it is a legal requirement that football clubs have to be um, have have to have fifty one percent of shares owned by fans. Um, so if all the fans club together, they can stop anything. Um, and that there's there's talk of that. And so there's there's a real sense that this is a watershed moment for um, the kind of football that that fans want, rather than the greedy billionaires. But there's also you know the downside to this is that UEFA have caved on a lot of the changes in the Champions League that these clubs wanted in the first mm. place. So they are expanding the Champions League. They are going to make it a lot easier for clubs like Arsenal and Spurs, who are frankly a bit shit, to get into the Champions <laughs> yeah. League anyway. Even if they, you know, they they call it sort of you know um, uh, prestige clubs or, or or legacy clubs. You know, this sense of like, well, if you've won the Champions League three times in the past then you know we're just going to let you in anyway oh which God. is just horrendous i mean they're, they're, they're talking about various different rules i don't think that's necessarily going to be one of them but different ways of giving preferential treatment to these big greedy clubs regardless of how they perform on the field and and you know, to be clear they of... already have like because they have a lot of these clubs have this is my understanding they have a lot of they have big budgets they already have an advantage to making this tournament because they can perform their performance is not necessarily equal um to the average team because they're already yeah you know, absolutely and there, 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 there are some rules in place about um it's called financial fair, fair play where basically over the course of two or three years you can't spend more money than you bring in but that that creates incredible differences between clubs 
Sure. It's not like it is in baseball where there's a salary, you know, you know the the luxury tax and and so yeah. on. When Norwich were in the Premier League last time, two 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 years ago, we played Manchester City and we had a lot of our first team players injured, and our whole team, the whole of our team, uh, cost eleven and a half million pounds. And we were beating Manchester City. We went on to win that game 3-2. And in the second half, the um, Manchester City brought on a substitute, someone that didn't even start the game, but like a substitute <laughs> who had been purchased for more than double the price of our entire team. <laughs> oh. The divergence between the two, between the sort of the greedy six and, and everyone else is is just absolutely gigantic. I mean, it really is like, the Yankees um, being in a league playing, um, you know, with um, the, you know, Louisiana uh, bass lines or whatever, you know, it's. Um, <laughs> or like, it is, our so- like very, you know, our softball team, you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, really, really big gap already. Yeah. And they're asking for it to be bigger. And they're asking it for it to, for it to be bigger purely and only so that they can make more money for themselves uh, as as ownership groups and for and for their shareholders and you know this it comes back to um you know what is football for what yeah. what what are we what are we doing here and who is this set up for and there's a lot of chat about well you know there's money talks and you have to spend the most money to get you know the best players and all of this other kind of stuff like we we don't have to organize things in this way yeah we we we, we don't we don't have to have a a society in which people can't afford health care or that uh, uh, some people are uh, are treated uh, you know in certain ways or murdered by the police we don't have to organize society in that way we don't have to have uh inequality in that way and we don't have to allow greedy people to run football in this way we are allowing it to happen it is created in this way by people this is not the natural order of things and I think this European Super League um, uh, is kind of a clarificatory moment for people. <laughs> a lot of people have said, well, you know, we've kind of let this go for a while. We've kind of let it go because the football's been good. But actually, this is bullshit. This is not what we're here for. This is not what we want to see. And so I hope that um, there's been um, a kind of a watershed. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. So there's a possibility that the that the Icarus too flew, flew too close to the sun here and that the bill, the billionaires, the, the, the super teams, the, the greedy six um, might've through this super league might've caused such a backlash that more reforms are, are made or more pressures put on from the fans to make this more fair. Is that your, is that, is that, is that the yep. hope we can leave people with? We'll keep... That is the hope. Okay. That is the hope. But sometimes it's the hope that gets you. <laughs> it's never a good idea. Um, all right. Well, this is this is a baseball podcast, so we should talk a little bit about baseball in this. <laughs> um, but quickly, we'll, we we are overdue for a, um, a commercial here. So why don't we just quickly tell tell us let's tell Battery Nation how our teams are doing? Because I know I know they're 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 concerned. Um, uh, do you want to go first? How, how are the Nats this season? I know it didn't start well. Uh-uh. At the, at the at the time of well, we're not playing tonight, so it will still be seven and nine when this um, uh, episode goes out. They started badly by uh, getting everyone uh, 
infected with COVID <laughs> and playing really badly on the baseball field. So we haven't been playing with our with our first team. But even the even the even the starting lineup are not are not playing brilliantly. So I'm I'm pretty pleased with seven and nine. I think that we are um, going to warm up, but we really need um, some of the the starting team to to get firing. Pitching staff has been rough around the edges. Strasbourg is on the IL, and the um, and the bats are not as hot as they need to be. But we're getting there. We're getting there. It's not as gloomy as it was a week ago. Yeah, thank God we didn't record a week ago. Um, the the Cleves, <laughs> the Clevelands are, um, you know, I, I, again, I'd be happy. We're eight and eight right now as of recording time, um, and we're about to play four games with the Yankees, then three games with the Twins, and four, three or four games with the White Sox. So this could be a disastrous ten days for us, um, or it could be really good. I have no idea. Um, we've been. Uh, I'm very pleased with eight and eight, considering we've been no hit. <laughs> we've uh we are the worst second worst offense in baseball in terms of runs scored um but we've also been incredibly unlucky we're hitting the ball cr- extremely hard we're second in baseball in home runs which is not what anybody expected um and it's just you know i, I think probably um you know shane bieber is one of the best pitchers in baseball and everything else is and jose ramirez is one of the best overall players in baseball and everything else is kind of a question mark um so you know, kind of how we thought the season would go, but um, uh, you know, it's it's giving me life that the Yankees are bad, the Twins are bad so far. You know, it's well, you know only ten percent into the season, but um, it'll be uh, it, it's just nice to be ahead of them in the standings for now, at least. <laughs> but um, let's quick take a quick word from our sponsor and then uh, talk about a few other things going on in baseball. This episode of Battery Mates is brought to you by Huggies, the official children's diaper of Battery Mates and Major League Baseball. You know, it isn't always the case, but uh, Matthew and I can speak from experience here on this one. Uh, We go through an awful lot of these diapers around here, uh, and our kids do too. Uh, And for a limited time, you can get 20% off your next order by using the offer code PAMPERSGIVESYOUHERPIES at checkout. Our thanks to Huggies for your support and for sponsoring our show. Great. Really nice. Um... Always nice. The good thing about the good thing about Huggies is they uh, they stop loads of shit from smelling bad. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, this isn't um, this isn't a sort of a, a come and get us um, thing. But have you noticed every single podcast, every single podcast that we listen to at the moment is sponsored by Manscaped? It's bizarre. It's bizarre. It is. It is really, really getting on my nerves. Number one, I hate listening to podcast hosts that i really respect talking about their balls <laughs> number two our literal end of show catchphrase is shag those balls <laughs> manscaped have not been in touch i feel like you ask us to, to, to have a tie-up what the fuck they i think they know um they're getting free advertising they don't need to pay um so um let's go uh, around I'm the horn saying, here i'm not saying shag those balls again until they pass <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, around the horn. First one. This is quick. Uh, COVID outbreaks. I didn't really expect this to be a thing this season. I'm going to be honest. I, I kind of maybe my had my uh, rose-colored glasses on, but we've already had many outbreaks and canceled games with a few teams. The, mm. the Nationals, as you alluded to, um, the, the Minnesota Twins had canceled games. I don't know if the Astros and, and, and Phillies have, but I know they've had some outbreaks. Um, what's go? How? What, what is happening here? <laughs> the crazy thing to me is that the way that number one players have to go through stringent yeah. um, protocols 
uh, to to stop them from being you know uh, coming close to getting infected. Number two, um, there's a lot of money at stake here, and the money does a lot of it flow to the players. And so not having outbreaks is really, really key. Yeah, at the same time, so many players are being dicks about getting the vaccine. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? If you get the vaccine, your families can travel with you. You won't get a life-threatening illness and you're not putting your livelihood at risk. And players are like, well, no, 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 I don't know. I'm, not, I'm, I'm giving it some thought. I'm preying on it. Yeah. yeah this, so this is our second around the horn. Um, and I think let's just go right into it. So Major League Baseball offered this really interesting, I think, creative incentive. I, I wish they would have been like the NFL, which is just mandated that all their players get vaccinated. They're like, unless you yeah. have like a health reason or like a doctor's note, you have to do it. Um, and they Major League Baseball said, look, if you get 85% of your tier one staff, which is players, coaches, and like on-field personnel and, you know, clubhouse personnel and whatnot, if you get 85% of them vaccinated, we can loosen restrictions. You can, you know, play cards together. You can play video games in the clubhouse. You know, um, you can Such have naked, naked dance parties. All these things are in <laughs> bounds. Um, and I, I've read that four teams have reportedly met this threshold. I've only seen the Angels and Cardinals named. but um, only, only four. I mean, that is that's, crazy. It's insane. I mean, and you're, you alluded to this. There's some really awful quotes from some players and some talk about um, you know, one of the Clevelands made posted something on Instagram, which is just just completely insane about the vaccine. And, with you know, it was a, it was a, a graphic that had like a, a fake Nazi quote. Like it was literally a fake quote about from, um, you know, I don't even fucking care or, or want to go into it. But James Karen Jack is fucking a lunatic. Uh, he, he clearly is a lunatic on the field, uh, clearly a lunatic off the field as well. Um, really fun to have to root for him. Um, speaking of fun to have to root for, Trevor Bauer, of course, has weighed in on the subject. Um, he 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 actually played it pretty, uh, you know, for his as uh, I think for his track record, this is actually pretty mild. But he he's you know he said that this is every this is a personal medical history. It's based on personal medical choices. I don't want to get into it. Is what he said, which is essentially an anti-vaccine statement. You know, it's, it's saying things like that is essentially giving. Um, plenty of room for the people who, uh, you know, want to believe bullshit about the vaccine or want to spread nonsense. Um, not helpful, Trevor. Uh, and then the Cubs' new second baseman, Eric Sogard, his wife on social media has been, wow, <laughs> just like going, <laughs> going off on um, a whole bunch of. I'm, I'm going to pull up a, a specific quote here. Um, this is from before the season started, but it was I think from an Instagram story. Um, and you know, she, a few things, few of the many things MLB will not allow my husband to do unless he is fully vaccinated, worship services, stay in a hotel with his family, eat. I I can't, this is like, things are covering. This is like, this is absolutely disgusting. You will never, not ever convince me this is still about a virus. What is it about? Like, (laughs) if it's not about a virus, why, why do you think major league baseball is concerned about Eric Sogard and what he can and cannot do? What are you talking about? Uh, and you know she's been picked on quite a bit, which I think is a little unfair. But that said, holy shit! Like guys, and also like how how are the players' association and like Major League Baseball not being a little more iron fisted on this? Like how how is this allowed to happen? <laughs> it's just it pisses me off because we we gotta get back to normal here, and baseball has a role to play They're, to be leaders in this. Yeah. And like, come on. 
it's it's so selfish but also it's just a kind of deranged politics that seems to have swept through um some of these some of these players i just yeah it's it's wild it's really wild especially when there are outbreaks happening i mean yeah yeah really wild Okay, let's let's keep going because we've only got a little bit of time left. We yeah. need to talk about the rule change in the Atlantic League. Yeah, they're testing out some new rules there. Um, so the first thing being that there, there's two new rules they're testing out this season. One, moving the pitcher's mound back a full foot to 61 feet 6 inches. Um, obviously, as a, a measure to kind of uh, take away a little some of the sting that uh, we're seeing. Obviously, pitchers are turning into machines uh, where they can just you know, strike out. 30% of batters, they, 30 to 35% of batters they face, um, throwing, you know, regularly 95 plus, 95 miles an hour plus. Um, so it's interesting. I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm interested in this in an academic way. Um, I'm glad they're testing it. The second thing, cause we don't know what the, you know, unintended consequences will be. The other thing I, I I'm curious your opinion on this one. Um, it's something called the double hook DH, which is essentially it's universal DH, but, when the starting pitcher is pulled from the game, the team loses their designated hitter. And so the pitcher has to then bat, um, or there needs to be a pinch hitter, uh, which essentially, it goes from American League rules during the starting pitcher and then National League rules after that. What do you, what's your take on that? Uh, the double hook DH, I, I don't, a lot, of, a lot of people won't remember this, but we had a rules, one of the rules episodes, I think at the end of the 2017 uh, season we had a we had a, a rules discussion and one of the rules was uh, this rule was specifically suggested by steve coopin as the compromise position between the nl and the al uh, situation i i would go for it i think this makes a lot of sense you get the designated hitter but you keep a lot of the strategy and you get you kind of get back into the kind of like the 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 chess moves so you wouldn't get to see uh pitchers raking which is huge <laughs> huge fun and i know that you, you american league fans don't get to enjoy that but we do and we love it but you do get to keep the the strategy of um some of the moves that need to take place so i'm really interested to see how this goes i would i would take this as a compromise position i'm I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it i think it's it's interesting and honestly if just for teaching american league managers how to manage national league rules like I just remember in the '90s playoffs, like Mike Carter was completely outmanaged, having in, in in the World Series because he didn't know how to what a double switch was really. Um, yeah. Okay, last thing, and I know we you know we covered this a little bit uh, in our emergency episode last couple weeks ago. The All Star Game was the Major League Baseball in in a shocking the whole entire world announced they were moving <laughs> it um, as a as a, a way of showing solidarity for people who are upset at the voting rights. Uh, they shocked the world by doing the right thing. Yeah, the voting suppression law in, in Georgia moved from Atlanta. It's going to be in Denver this season. Um, is it Chuck Grassley who said this is going to cost Atlanta 100 million jobs, um, which is just chef's kiss wonderful. Um, 100 million, the number, has no business being involved here in, in any sense. It's not $100 million of revenue. It's not 100, it's not 100 million anything. Um, and honestly, only 10 million people live in the state of Georgia, but uh, or slightly more than that. So... Um, Cleveland can attest it was it's not 100 million jobs that the all-star game brings you um but uh and this is the most and the thing we'll be watching and covering moving forward is uh Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz have teamed up to stick it up stick it stick it up stick it to major league baseball here um and if you're gonna if you're gonna uh make a political statement and do something we don't like politically we're gonna take away 
your uh, your uh, monopoly exemption, uh, the, the ability to um, it, 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 literally they're going to uh, have political consequences for your political uh, stance that you're going to make. And um, these are the guys who are, first of all, anything, anytime Holly and Cruz team up, you know, um, it's a real winner. Uh, but <laughs> secondly, it, it's like, this is, these are the people who are uh, concerned about cancel culture right now. And um, yeah, really nice, really nice, uh, uh, really nice work there, Josh and Ted. <laughs> this is one of those things that, <laughs> just has made them so angry they've completely lost their minds they've absolutely lost their tiny little brains they are so angry that mlb which they thought was their plaything that that, that <laughs> baseball was the the conservative sport and it has been for so long that they're just so angry at losing control of this of this thing that they thought you know where they could feel at home where uh, Brett Kavanaugh could have season tickets paid for by by big donors and not explain where the money came from, and and everything would be okay. This was their sport, and finally baseball has done something right, and they have gone completely loopy. The idea that government should punish a business for its political speech is just incredible, and they look like complete maniacs. It's it's well, we're going to keep covering this. I don't think it's de- done yet, um, but. What a wonderful, what a wonderful duo, um, and uh, going to love covering this one. Um, also, kind of what we want. We, <laughs> I would love to see uh, Major League Baseball uh, have to play by some more rules um, when it comes to uh, treating workers fairly, yeah. for instance. Oh no! Please don't take the <laughs> antitrust exemption away. No, anything but that. Um, we want to stop. We want to end this episode with with a suggestion or a, a new segment. We want to, you know try out here um you know we don't get we don't talk about twitter enough on this show and so Mm -hmm. i think and we want more uh to hear from more of you more often not just on around opening day so we want nominations every every episode or most episodes we're gonna have a really bad tweet award that we give out (laughs) and uh we want to hear from you and suggestions nominees just cc us uh quote tweet the tweet or send it to us over email or text with uh, some anytime you see a bad baseball tweet um, that you think rises to the level of uh, of the occasion of, of of embarrassment to this award and a couple examples here John Heyman uh, celebrated baseball writer uh, <laughs> tweeted um, after the the, uh, the the death of Dante Wright in, in a suburb of Minnesota uh, Minneapolis uh, the Twins canceled their game and um, you know out, the, the, the statement was. You know, out of respect for the tragic events that occurred yesterday in Brooklyn, said, you know, you know, ends with the Minnesota Twins organization extends its sympathy to the family of Dante Wright. John Heyman's tweet was: "Twins Red Sox game postponed due to curfew and potential for riots." Um, and and it's still it's, the tweet is still up. He's defending it to this day. It's absolute garbage. You do better, John Heyman. The other one that I actually probably would win if we were giving one out this week. Las Vegas Raiders, uh, in the immediate aftermath of the the uh, Derek Chauvin trial verdict, um, tweet tweeted a, a graphic and briefly pinned it, pinned this tweet that was just a graphic that said, "I can breathe for 2021," which I I'm literally speechless on that one. How how who thought that was a good idea? I I don't I mean even that, know. Is, that is that is it's just. Um, it's painfully cringe. It's the, so the, bad. 
I, I don't know when you I don't know when you screenshot this, but at that at the time of at the time you grabbed it, it has had seventy point five seventy point five thousand quote tweets. <laughs> It's got it's got forty thousand likes and eight thousand retweets, but it's got seventy thousand quote tweets. That's like the double ratio of being ratioed. <laughs> it's also, I hate to say it, not a million miles off how bad Nancy Pelosi's statement it, yeah, was. No, definitely yes. Uh, so she didn't tweet that. So she it didn't tweet it. Qualify for this uh, for this cat for this uh, competition. And it didn't have a baseball tie-in. Like there are some bad <laughs> tweets out there. I mean, and Las Vegas Raiders aren't a baseball team, but they're sports related, so I can kind of see it. But anyway, send us your nominees for next time. Um, we're, we're taking uh, taking them all the way, and if not, we'll pick your tweet maybe. Um, so uh, with that, Matthew, you you have some. You don't have anything to say. <laughs> you, no, I, don't, I don't have anything to end on today. End of program. Nothing. No. Good luck and goodbye. <laughs>